The countdown has begun. From May 14th to 16th, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Qatar Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg. Join heads of state, influential ministers and leading CEOs to make new connections, gain unique insights and uncover valuable opportunities in one of the world's most rapidly rising regions. Request your invite for this exclusive event at QatarEconomicForum.com. Good morning, I'm Nathan Hager. And I'm Karen Moscow. Here are the stories we're following today. The drop in equities this morning follows economic news out of Asia. The prospect of deflation is rearing its head in China. The country's consumer inflation rate eased to zero in June, while producer prices fell further into deflation territory. Bloomberg Daybreak Asia anchor Brian Curtis has more from Hong Kong. The CPI was unchanged from last year. That was lower than a Bloomberg survey estimate of a 0.2% gain. The inflation data adds to evidence that the economic recovery is cooling. Core inflation slowed to 0.4%. In the meantime, producer prices falling 5.4%. That compared with a 4.6% drop in the previous month. And it was lower than our survey estimate. In Hong Kong, Brian Curtis, Bloomberg Daybreak. All right, Brian, thanks. Well, Janet Yellen is fresh off her trip to China, and the Treasury Secretary is striking a positive tone on relations. She's assuring Chinese officials that the U.S. won't hold back its economic growth. I believe that my bilateral meetings, which totaled about 10 hours over two days, served as a step forward in our effort to put the U.S.-China relationship on a surer footing. Well, Yellen says the U.S. is not seeking a full decoupling from China. When it comes to her own economy, Yellen remains optimistic, but says she cannot rule out a U.S. recession. It's not completely off the table, but we would expect with the job market as strong as it is now to see a slower pace of ongoing uh, job gains. And Yellen made the comments on Face the Nation from CBS. Catch the program every Sunday on Bloomberg Radio. Well, now, Karen, it's President Biden's turn for a trip overseas. He's on his way to a NATO meeting in Lithuania. But first, the president stops in London to discuss Ukraine with U.K. Prime Minister Rishi Sunak. Amy Morris has more from our Bloomberg 99.1 newsroom in Washington. Biden will meet with Sunak to compare notes on their support for Ukraine after several allies questioned Biden's decision to send cluster bombs to Ukraine. They're also expected to discuss the Atlantic Declaration, a potential trade pact that could help U.K. lawmakers qualify for electric vehicle subsidies. Brokering a deal with Turkey could also come up. Turkey has blocked Sweden from joining NATO, and Biden may also bring up post-Brexit arrangements for Northern Ireland. Biden will also have tea with King Charles III at Windsor Castle. Castle, their first meeting since his coronation. In Washington, I'm Amy Morris, Bloomberg Daybreak. Amy, thank you. Well, back here in the U.S., much of the country is bracing for severe heat. Near record temperatures will spread from the southwest across Texas and the Great Plains this week. Temperatures of 100 degrees or more are expected to strain electricity networks. The blistering heat will hit the southern U.S. and northern Mexico, challenging local records. All right, let's turn to the equity markets now, Karen. The S&P 500 is coming off its second losing week over the past three, and some investors see more pain ahead. Let's get the details from Bloomberg's Lisa Mateo in New York. 
According to Bloomberg's latest Markets Live Pulse survey, profit warnings and fears of higher interest rates are threatening the key U.S. stock indicator. 55% of respondents say the upcoming earnings season will hurt stocks. 42% say the biggest reason will be the impact of further tightening of financial conditions. Many predict the Federal Reserve will raise interest rates later this month after data from last week showed moderating payrolls but stronger than expected wage growth in June. In New York, Lisa Mateo, Bloomberg Daybreak. All right, Lisa, thank you. Well, earnings are front and center for many on Wall Street. The season kicks off in earnest this week, and we get a preview from Bloomberg's Charlie Pellet. Friday, we hear from J.P. Morgan Chase, Wells Fargo, and Citigroup. The earnings reports come amid a backdrop of inflation and the specter of rising interest rates. Liz Ann Saunders is chief investment strategist at Charles Schwab. We know first quarter was better than expected. A lot of people are focusing on the fact that calendar year 2023 estimates are lifting, but that's only because of the beat in the first quarter. Second quarter, third quarter, fourth quarter, and even into first quarter next year have also have all had downtrends in their estimates. So that will come in clearer focus when we start to uh, enter reporting season. Thursday, it's Delta Airlines and PepsiCo with a focus on pricing power. In New York, Charlie Pellet, Bloomberg Daybreak. All right, Charlie, thanks. We've got some conflicting calls this morning on earnings. Goldman Sachs strategists expect companies to meet the low bar set by consensus. They say negative earnings revisions for this year and next appear to have bottomed and sentiment has improved. Meantime, Morgan Stanley's Mike Wilson has a more bearish view. He expects analysts to keep cutting second half profit projections. Wilson also says company forecasts will matter more than usual this year. And we have an update on Meta's new Threads app. The new social media platform has now gained 100 million users. That's according to TechCrunch. Threads hit the million user mark after just five days of existence, and that makes it one of the fastest growing consumer products ever. Time now to take a look at some of the other stories making news in New York and around the world with Bloomberg's Michael Barr. Good morning, Michael. Good morning, Nathan. New York Governor Kathy Hochul declared a state of emergency for Orange County last night. Heavy rain spawned extreme flooding in New York's Hudson Valley, killing at least one person and forced road closures. Orange County Executive Steve Newhouse says the woman in her 30s was trying to evacuate her home. There's some major flash flood, major washouts were all around where her house is. So I could definitely see where she was trying to get out to uh, to safety, but uh, did not make it, got swept away, and uh, unfortunately did not make it. Two other people escaped. Bloomberg meteorologist Rob Carolyn has the latest on the weather. Michael, the heavy persistent rain we saw yesterday over upstate New York caused all sorts of problems with flash flooding across portions of Orange and Putnam counties. Some areas received over five inches of rain. Some areas received as much as eight inches, closed portions of the Palisades Parkway and also Route 9. The heaviest rain, though, moving out of that area now, lifting up across Vermont. That's where the heavy rain will occur today is across western New England. But the good news is any additional rainfall shouldn't be quite as heavy as what we received yesterday north of the city. Michael? Thanks, Rob. North Korea accused U.S. spy planes of violating its airspace and threatened to shoot them down. A spokesman for North Korea's defense ministry said the U.S. was engaging in hostile espionage activities. Chinese police say a man with a knife killed six people and wounded one more at a kindergarten in the southeastern province of Guangdong. Police say a 25-year-old man was arrested. 
Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer is responding to complaints about a social media influencer-backed energy drink founded by some of the biggest stars on YouTube. Alongside pediatric health experts in New York City, Schumer is calling on the FDA to investigate the drink called Prime over concerns about its excessive levels of caffeine. An 8.4-ounce can of Red Bull has 80 milligrams of caffeine. A 12-ounce can of Prime, by contrast, contains 200 milligrams of caffeine. More than 100% of Red Bull and close to 10 times as much as a 12-ounce can of Coca-Cola. YouTube stars Logan Paul and KSI founded the beverage brand launching this year. Global News, 24 hours a day, powered by more than 2,700 journalists and analysts in over 120 countries. I'm Michael Barr. This is Bloomberg, Nathan. Thank you, Michael. The countdown has begun. From May 14th to 16th, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Carter Economic Forum, powered by Bloomberg. Join heads of state, influential ministers and leading CEOs to make new connections, gain unique insights and uncover valuable opportunities in one of the world's most rapidly rising regions. Request your invite for this exclusive event at QatarEconomicForum.com. From coast to coast, from New York to San Francisco, Boston to Washington, D.C., nationwide on Sirius XM, the Bloomberg Business App and Bloomberg.com. This is Bloomberg Daybreak. Good morning. I'm Nathan Hager on the cusp of a trading week with no shortage of potential catalysts for investors. We get the last key readings on U.S. inflation before the Fed's next meeting at the end of the month, the kickoff of second quarter earnings season as well at the end of this week. But it's weak economic data out of China that appear to have investors closest attention this morning. And for more, we're joined by Lori Calvacina, head of U.S. equity strategy at RBC Capital Markets. Lori, good morning. It's good to speak with you as always. What is the potential read through for the broader market? when we see further signs of potential deflation in China with flat consumer prices and producer prices at their lowest level in about seven and a half years. So thanks for having me as always. So the two things that jump in my mind are first off, when things are going well in China, there's always talk from investors about stimulus. So I think we have to keep an eye on that potential uh, as something that could reignite risk assets. But I think that the other thing kind of more fundamental in my mind it's just what this does to the whole, we have to buy non-U.S. equities. U.S. equities are too expensive. The economy isn't doing great in the U.S. That kind of talk I've been hearing a lot from investors all year. And I do think that to start the year, there was very much a sense from global investors that you wanted to be in non-U.S. equities. And that seemed like a very, very consensus call, even as recently as the beginning of, you know, sort of middle of the second quarter. And we do feel like there was just so much complacency on China in particular. You're just seeing that chipped away at. And ultimately, what we've noticed in the flow data is that if you look at China flows on the EPFR data, for example, they've started to fade. European equity flows have started to fade. And guess what? U.S. equity flows are starting to look a whole lot better. A lot of that's been driven by, driven by the growth trade, but we are starting to see some improvement on the value side as well. So to me, the really fascinating thing is, is that going, is this sort of idea that China's economy may be not so strong as people had anticipated to start the year, is that going to fuel further rotation back into U.S. equities? It would be interesting to see that given some of the uh, conflicting messaging we're hearing uh, just this morning about the earnings picture in the U.S., whether we could continue to see that kind of flow continue after the rally that characterized the first half. 
you know, it's, it's a great question, and there's been a lot of trepidation about earnings this year. Um, one of the things we do tell investors is to take comfort in the fact that most years' earnings expectations are way too high to start the year. They're way too high the prior year. They tend to come down. It doesn't destroy the stock market. But if you look at where estimates are in years that forecasts are too high and come down, Typically, by the time you get to the middle part of the year, the consensus expectation is in the right neighborhood. You don't really see too much change in the overall S&P earnings picture in the back half of the year. Um, so that's really where we are. We have seen a certain stability really sort of emerge in sell-side estimates recently. And that doesn't mean they can't be trimmed a little bit more. But I do tell people that, you know, if you think about earnings forecast, there's sort of this, you know, collective exercise between the sell side, the buy side, and the companies themselves. And by the time you get to the middle part of the year, companies really, they've got two quarters in the bag. They've got two quarters they've got to make to kind of get to their full year numbers. And that's really where we are. We see that management teams are very, very determined to make those consensus numbers. What do you think we're going to see out of the inflation data this week? And what could it mean for the Fed at the end of the month? on the camp that inflation is still moderating. I don't do specific CPI forecasts, but our economics team did put out a great chart last week showing that their heat map for CPI, just where they look at all the different categories, is getting greener and greener, which means it's been looking better and better. Um, so I, you know, I'm not too caught up on what the Fed's going to do at any one particular meeting. I think that we are generally, even if we get another hike or two, closer to the end of this. And I think investors on the equity side, to be honest, are really just ready to start looking ahead. They're they're kind of tired of debating this Fed narrative. They're looking at 2024, trying to figure out if that's a recovery year or not, or not economically. Um, at least what I saw on the price action on Friday from the jobs data, we did see a willingness of, of investors to really kind of release their, their kind of very tight grip on defensive sectors which underperformed on the day on Friday on the heels of that jobs report. So in our last minute here, uh, just on the theme of looking ahead, uh, do you think that uh, tech stocks can continue powering through? Or are you looking for more breadth uh, in this market? So I, I think the answer to both of those questions is yes. Um, I, when I look at the technology sector, there's this perception, you know, when I talk to investors, that the evaluations are absolutely insane. And that's true for certain stocks. That's not true for the broader tech space. So if you look at a multiple, say, back to 1989 on a median basis, it's only a little bit elevated. So I think there's actually a case for broadening out leadership within technology. I do think that it's tough to sell your tech stocks right now just because I do think the recovery is going to be subpar around, you know, kind of 1%-ish, a little below that is the consensus for next year. Growth and tech that typically do very, very well in a sluggish economic backdrop. But at the same time, we see opportunity really building in more cyclical parts of the market as well, like small caps and energy. So we do think you want to broaden out your best a bit. This is Bloomberg Daybreak Today, your morning brief on the stories making news from Wall Street to Washington and beyond. Look for us on your podcast feed at 6 a.m. Eastern each morning on Apple, Spotify, and anywhere else you get your podcasts. You can also listen live each morning starting at 5 a.m. Wall Street time on Bloomberg 1130 in New York, Bloomberg 99.1 in Washington, Bloomberg 1061 in Boston, and Bloomberg 960 in San Francisco. Our flagship New York station is also available on your Amazon Alexa devices. Just say Alexa, play Bloomberg 1130. Plus, listen coast to coast on the Bloomberg Business app, Sirius XM Channel 119, the iHeartRadio app, and on Bloomberg.com. I'm Nathan Hager. And I'm Karen Moscow. Join us again tomorrow morning for all the news you need to start your day right here on Bloomberg Daybreak.
countdown has begun. From May 14th to 16th, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Qatar Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg. Join heads of state, influential ministers and leading CEOs to make new connections, gain unique insights and uncover valuable opportunities in one of the world's most rapidly rising regions. Request your invite for this exclusive event at QatarEconomicForum.com.